Your style is unorthodox, but effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Black 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 Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Regine Al Sawyer, owner, writer, creator of Lock It Down Productions and the coordinator and founder of the Women in Comics Collective International. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Damn it. All right, now, now we are recording. Now we're recording. Right. I feel like we missed some gold right there, but that's all right. Uh, we did. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of Black Comics Chat. We have a great show coming up from you, for you with some pretty amazing people. But before we begin, I want to introduce my co-host, the man from the frozen tundra of New York. Although it's the summer, it should still be warm, I guess. He's from Albany, Marcus Kwame. How are you doing? Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Marcus Kwame, a.k.a. the BP Vest of, of Black Comics Chat. <laughs> You're still you know, using that? <laughs> a.k.a. Bilbo Bapkins, you know, <laughs> just chilling. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm very happy to be here with this uh, incredibly talented Eisner Award-winning team and uh, looking forward to the show. And if you don't know me, which you should know me by now, my name is Anthony Otero, a.k.a. Tony Stark. Snark, not Stark. <laughs> a.k.a. Driver of the Red Lion, Undercover Sith Lord. I can go on and on and on and on, but it's not about me. It's about this team uh, who recently won the Eisner Award for Best Anthology. We have the editors, minus one, of Puerto Rico Strong. And we're just going to go through. We have, we'll start with Desiree. Desiree, how are you? I am good. I'm super excited to be on the show. Nice. Derek Ruiz. Hey, guys. How's everything going? Super well, super well. Then we have Neil Schwartz. Hey, guys. Excited to be here. And last but certainly not least, the man, Marco Lopez. How are you, brother? Hey, I'm good. Happy to be back on the show. You know, maybe I'll throw a damn the white man here and there. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we usually do live shows, but Google decided to shut that down. And we think it's because of Marco and his last appearance here. Um, so we'll have to look at that show and see exactly where he decided to damn Google. Um, but uh, thank you for being on here. Now, I have interviewed uh, some of you uh, in, little, in little bits for um, New York Comic Con. And I think the only person that I may not have gotten to talk to before is Neil. So with that being said, we're going to do, uh, or normally our first question is um, origin stories, and we're going to start with Neil. So um, tell us how you got into this business, um, and, and what, what makes you the, the writer that you are today, or the editor, or whatever it is that you do. Wow, that's, that's a very powerful question, loaded. Um, so I got into comics back around 20, uh, 2007, 
I was working for Dable Brothers, which is where I met Derek, um, who has literally become my best friend in every capacity. He's the man. Um, worked there as the marketing manager. Then I eventually went and worked for DC Comics. Um, both the roles were strictly marketing um, and, and ad sales. And then, uh, you know, I was writing on the side. Uh, Derek and I were trying to do some things here and there. And then, uh, you know, back, uh, was it like two years now, I guess? Um, Marco approached uh, Derek and Derek approached me about being part of this awesome anthology. And uh, this was literally my breakout role. I had never been published before. Um, wow. This is my first editing gig, too. Um, so my first ever story, uh, I mean, this was like a, an amazing, uh, experience overall. And then just the tip of the iceberg was, was Ganey Eisner, which, you know, I'm still trying to process what that even means, I bet. Uh, you know, especially first time out. That's like, oh man, I was actually telling people, you know, I kind of feel like Kit Harrington after Game of Thrones minus the rehab <laughs> it was just like, what do I do now? And I kind of feel like shit like i just set a bar <laughs> like mm-hmm. what <laughs> what do i do now um but yeah i mean while i've had this like very extensive journey in comics it definitely has called me in the last like few years into something that is really magical um uh and especially having my first ever project be so awesome and filled with heart and soul you know i couldn't ask for something something better Awesome. Awesome. Derek, we'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll, we'll also continue with you. So tell us about your origin story. Um, I guess I've been trying to do comics since 1999. Um, so I, I guess around 2003, I, I like, uh, joined the, uh, Dabble brothers as their like uh, community manager, you know, Remember when forums were like the biggest thing in comics? Every website had a forum. Right. Even like even like Newsarama had like it was a forum with a news on it. So I was the, I was the guy that used to answer all the questions. And then like uh, like 2005, I like started doing editing here and there. And then uh, we went we uh, teamed up with Marvel at the time. Um, we were there a couple of years. Then we went to like uh, Random House. We did stuff with them. And through all that, I've been I did adaptations for them. Um, I did uh, what's his name? Uh, Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist. Um, oh, really? Nice. Yeah, I, I did the graphic novel for that. That was with uh, Harper Collins. Um, I didn't realize that he had a graphic novel for that. Yeah, it was it was a while back. It was a while. Back. I, I can't even remember when it was. That's how long it was. Wow. Um, I did uh, um, Fear Nothing with Dean Koontz. Uh, that went that came out through Dynamite. Um, so, yeah, so I've just been doing comics here and there, and then, you know, with the Dabble Brothers up until today, basically. Wow, that's amazing. Desiree, now, I got to tell you, I've been trying to get you on this show for a while, so I'm very happy that you're here. So why don't you tell me your origin story? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. I think it all started... That's such a cliche to start this. Um, but uh, I started writing... Um, for websites, actually. Um, I started writing for a lot of smaller websites. Paper Joys, I think, was the first one. Um, 
And I think I gained a lot of experience writing for women write about comics. That was a huge experience for me. Great, great team, great group of editors. Um, I wrote some of my favorite uh, essays that I've ever written um, through them. Um, one on like the history of Barbara Gordon, which was really great. One on the history of uh, Starfire's costuming, which was a lot of fun because I am a huge Starfire fan. Um, and Nerds of Color was another uh, outlet where I wrote a lot of bigger pieces. Um, I think the one that I got the most attention was a piece on Maggie Sawyer's casting from the CW Supergirl show because they cast a white Italian lady for a brown Latina woman. Um, did a lot of research into that piece. Got a lot of angry shippers in my Twitter for about two weeks. Mm. That was mm. that was fun. Um, and there was another piece I wrote for Nerds of Color, um, which was being Latinx in comics. Right. And it discussed how Latin, like actual Latinx characters uh, are typically portrayed in comics um, and our history, the differences between being Hispanic and being Latinx. Um, I used to work in uh, education. So whenever I write an essay, unless it's like something really fun, um, I always try to be really informative. So that piece actually got me the attention of Joseph Elich, who I know has been on the show before. I love Joe. Um, and we had talked through Twitter quite a bit. And, uh, you know, we always he was always like, you know, we need to talk about Batman because he knows I'm a huge Robin fan. Um, Tim Drake's my boy. Uh, and he texted me and he was like, can I call you? And I was like, fuck, yeah, we're going to have our Batman discussion. I'm going to just totally gush about Tim Drake. And then he calls me and he's like, so do you want a job? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> that would be a uh, pretty, pretty damn like cool. Um, and it was for his assistant part time at Lion Forge. Um, and yeah, uh, was part time for a year, then got promoted to full time assistant um, and then became essentially the group editor of uh, the Catalyst Prime superhero universe um, in my second third year it'll be three years this october um three years wow. since i started at lion forge so um but yeah and then i've i've worked as a social media manager for a local comic shop and stuff so i've worked in retail i've worked in editing um i've worked as a comics critic i've written i wrote a story in um the rick and construction reconstruction anthology that uh edgardo miranda rodriguez did for um with dc so I've been a writer. So I've kind of dabbled in like all the little bits and pieces of comics. Um, so it's been it's been exciting. It's been cool. It's been fun watching you do all this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marco, you're you're next. Tell us your uh, origin story. I'll give my short origin story. I'll just <laughs> I'll just go to 2015. Okay. Because um, then I'll just ramble on and nobody wants that. <laughs> I'm the longest person. Um, so 2015, I was living in California. I was there from 2014 to 2015, and I'd been friends with Brandon Eastman for a while. He told me to come down to WonderCon, and, um, you know, he was going to introduce me to, um, you know, some of the Lion Forge people. I went down there, um, printed up a comic book that no longer exists and will no longer be seen, um, <laughs> and brought that with me. It's sort of like a sample um, met one of the people at Lion Forge that's no longer there. Um, gave him my card. Then, you know, um, did the whole WonderCon thing, met other people, and then, you know, 
went back home, moved from California back to Florida, um, which I'm still here. God, why? Um, and then uh, I just hit up out of the blue um, Carl Reed, uh, co-founder of Lionforge, and told him about myself um, that I dropped off some stuff at uh, WinterCon. And then he said, do you want to pitch on a couple of projects? And I said, hell yeah. Um, and then that led to working with them on a variety of stuff for about a year. Um, one that was for the Lineforge Labs for a school system over there. And then a couple other projects that um, got put on hold a while back. And then a few other things. And then I did an issue of Grim Tales of Terror for Zenoscope Entertainment. Don't go looking for it please. <laughs> no one needs to read that. Um, uh, that's a story like of, of for a beer at New York Comic Con. Um, and then, oh, it's happening. <laughs> and then, um, you know, fast forward to when the hurricanes were hitting uh, Puerto Rico. I mean, between all that, I had a website and I did, you know, webcomic that you'll never see either. And I'm very picky about my, like, my uh, stuff. I don't like, sometimes I don't like to look back. Um, so, uh, I did webcomic stuff here and there, short webcomic stories. And then when the hurricanes were happening, I was like, they said, oh, the second hurricane is going to happen. I was like, oh man, we need to do something. And I was like, what can I do? And I was like, oh, well, I can tell a story. I was like, I guess that could help. We could do some, uh, charity stuff. And then I hit up, you know, Derek and I said, hey, you want to do this? And he's like, yes. Second person I hit up was Desiree, and then she's like, "Yeah," and then you know the rest is history, and it's been crazy since then. And uh, <laughs> you know the Eisner happening was like that Eisner thing was nuts, and yeah, so that's my you know bad take on my origin story. <laughs> wow, it has been an, an incredible ride, and and I will always always be grateful for being a part of that. So thank, thank you. Um, so I, what I really want to get into is how did you feel the moment you knew that you won the Eisner? And then this is for everyone or anyone. Um, I was wondering, is this real? <laughs> I'll be honest. We, cause there's like a three hour time difference, you know, between here and Cali. So I was like, okay, you know, ours is going to be in the first 20 minutes because who's going to leave, you know, anthology for like towards the end of the show? You know? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm going based on I'm going based on Emmys and Oscars and, you know, Golden Glow. I'm like, you know, no disrespect to anthologies. I mean, there's some great work always in anthologies, but I'm just saying, you know, it's the anthology one. So I figured they're going to do that in the beginning first. Like, we're going to get this out of the way. And so then as I'm sitting there talking to Derek and Neil and I'm like, what? 45 minutes later, I'm like, what? They forget about it? Is that what happened? <laughs> and then, like, an hour and a half goes, and I'm like, I kind of want to go to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was, like, literally the time at which they said the Eisners would end. And, like, Derek was like, no, I saw someone posted a picture of the, the pamphlet, and ours is right after Chip Zdarsky. So then, like, they did Chip, Chip Zdarsky. And then I was like, sweet, Chip Zdarsky won. I like him. And then they did ours, and I was, like, refreshing. And then it popped up, and I'm like, oh, fuck me. Did we really just win? <laughs> and, and I was like, 
And then after that, it was literally, I was up until like four in the morning. Like I couldn't come down the whole adrenaline. It's so weird because it's on social media and you don't think it's going to be as exciting on social media. No, it was super exciting. <laughs> um, and it was just a wild adrenaline rush the whole night. And yeah, I didn't fall asleep until 4 a.m. That's how like crazy it was. Yeah, I mean, it was also, I, I was saying this before, um, like I was with family. Uh, I had like two of my cousins were in from Canada. So my whole family was in and, you know, my wife actually set up this little, uh, you know, she got me an award with a little speech like before, just like, even if you don't win, like you have this, which, you know, meant awesome. everything. That's awesome. Um, and then we were sitting at my cousin's and like 11 o'clock, the award started and I was just like complete became like you know we were having a lot of fun joking around and i became very silent i was just on my phone like refreshing twitter like okay it's got to be soon it's got to be soon then we're then i'm in like an uber heading back to my apartment in brooklyn and i'm just like okay this is still not happening where is it why is this not happening <clears throat> and i was saying to derek and marco no i think i'm gonna throw up like this is the nerves and just like i just want to know like even if we didn't win like i just want to know you know just something it, it, it was awful and it was, it was really like playing with me and we got back here my cousins went to sleep my wife and i were uh we're just wa watching over and over and the clock is like ticking and ticking and it's just like every other word and then you know there's this and then it just kept going and i was like oh my god this is kind of like playing with our emotions um and you know derek Marco and I were legit talking like the entire time, just like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But like, you know, we all were just like, Oh my God, someone just, just tell us something. And then at about one forty-five, my phone was about to die. So I went to go plug it in. And then my wife goes, Oh my God, you won. And I was like, no, like I wouldn't believe it until I saw it. And my phone was taking like forever for like someone to update that we won. And then I was like, Oh my God. And then, you know, I don't even know. I, like, I cried a little bit. I, I didn't know, like, how to react because it was just, you know, amazing. And, um, you know, like, th the three of us were also talking until, like, 3 in the morning, kind of like what Marco was saying. And it was very hard to go to sleep. And I remember waking up in the morning and being like, this has to be like a Groundhog Day situation. Like, I just <laughs> dreamt this whole thing. I'm going to wake up, like, today's really Friday. And, like, I'm going to have to go to, like, you know, I'm doing all this stuff with, like, my cousins because they're here. And then we have to relive this entire thing. It's going to be, you know, this, <laughs> like, awful, you know, angsty thing. But, um, you know, when I, when I checked Twitter and I checked that, like, I had some posts up. And, you know, we all did. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, this is real. Um, and then even, like, going to work, like, on Monday. Uh, I don't think I said it before, but I worked for Nickelodeon. So I walked into work and a bunch of friends were just like, oh, my God. Like, you won. And I was just like. Yeah, I know, but I don't know how to react. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, thanks. Like, this is awesome, but like, what do, what do I say? You know, I mean, it's it, it's still surreal. Like, it. I know it feel like it's real, but it it almost doesn't feel like it. Just feels almost like fantasy a little bit. Wow, Desiree, <laughs> I know you have had to be in your feelings when you were went on that podium. <laughs> Tell me I what mean, that was like. I mean, Eduardo already had me in my feelings. Like, if you guys haven't watched his speech, he won the Humanitarian Award. Yes, uh, yes. And his speech was, and it's it's on his Instagram, I believe, the whole mm -hmm. thing. Um, I mean, it was it was a beautiful speech. And I'm sitting there, like, at the table with my, first of all, I was late because I got lost because 
look, bitch has no sense of direction, okay? Like, I'm dyslexic, lefts and rights are hard, I have anxiety, I was just texting my coworker being like, where do I go? He's like, look for the bar, and I'm like, Devin, there's no bar, like, what are you talking about? I'm in, like, three-inch heels right now, help us, help a girl out, like, but, um, so we were, well, I was, like, ten minutes late, um, but, uh, yeah, no, his, his speech just had me, I was, I mean, I was legit crying, like, I was like, this is, especially because, like, right before that speech, there was this really awful, like, ice joke yes, that, I heard about that. Mm-hmm. was terrible, Lot, got lots of groans, so I was like, at least the room's not on the side of it, there were not many laughs, so, but it was still not great, um, so then he got up there and did that just amazing speech, and I didn't even know he was gonna be there, so, but when they announced, like, the winner, um, I just, I remember turning to, to my boss and I was like, do I go up there? Like, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, good. Cause I'm dressed for it. Um, <laughs> and you know, I was like, everybody else is in like jeans and t-shirts. Like, no, like I wore a really banging red dress for this and heels so that I could reach the podium. Um, cause otherwise I wouldn't, I'm too short. Uh, but, and my roommate wanted credit for the dress too. He was like, no. I helped you pick that dress out. And I was like, okay, you can get credit. Goddamn. Like, um, <laughs> call me out for my lack of fashion sense. Um, but yeah, it was, and the first thing I did actually, cause Eduardo's table was like right in front of mine. And I, you know, before I even got on stage, I hugged him, which was really sweet. Um, and then, yeah, it, it was crazy. Like I, I was, I was stunned and I was all shaky and stuff. And there had been so many speeches prior to that. Cause as the night wore on, just more people got drunker. <laughs> There were lots of people going up to the podium and being like, so I've been drinking. Um, and like one one winner, I wish I could remember what she won, but she was just like, so I'm drunk. And I'm like, you know what? I support you. It's you won. You deserve that. Um, and, you know, but I don't I went up there and I was like, I don't I don't drink the alcohol. So I have no excuse for how rambly this is going to be. But bear with me. <laughs> So I thought I was sounding like a scared, shaking bunny rabbit while I was up there. Um, and I remember, like, telling everybody that I was like, I can't wait to, to tell me mamita about this. She's going to be like, Chepa, I don't know what the fucking Eisner is, but I am so <laughs> proud of you. And that's exactly what she said, too. And then afterwards, um, I had a bunch of people come up to me and they were like, you know, have you called your mom? <laughs> And I was like, I tried, but there's a three-hour difference. So mm-hmm. it was a gamble. I was like, either she's going to be up watching Golden Girls mm-hmm. or she's going to be asleep. It's 50-50. So she was asleep. Um, and then she called me, like, the next day, and she was like, what the hell? She was like, I'm trying. I'll be sleeping, Chepa. Like, what you doing? And I was just like, mommy, I won. And she was like, oh, shit, what? She's like, I'm going to tell everybody. Wait until your uncles hear about yep. this, your cousins, yep. your deities. I'm like, I only have one aunt. She's like, you don't know. <laughs> um, but she was she was really, really proud. For, she's been such a huge supporter. Um, I gave her a copy, actually. And she, because she came down to visit me and I gave her a copy. She went home with it. Um, she lives in New Jersey. I don't know why. Um, it, And she called me up and she was like, she was like, this this book made me cry. And I was like, yes, goal accomplished. And then she threatened to like, not feed me anymore. And I was like, I didn't mean it that way. Right. That wasn't right. the way it sounded. 
But no, yeah, she was she was really, really happy and she was really touched by it. She's like, you know, she's like, these stories are our stories and I've never read something like this. You know, she's like, I've never seen something like this. And she doesn't comics. I think the only superhero she even knows is Wonder Woman. Um, like she wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a Marvel and a DC. Uh, she went to go see Logan with my brother and she called me up and she's like, so what X-Men movies do I have to see before I see Logan? And I'm like, I like, <laughs> I'm like, if you have the time, just watch the first one. She's like, aren't there a lot of them though? Like, does do they matter? What about this Origins one? I was like, no, just the first one. <laughs> it's don't. gonna be okay. And then afterwards, she called me up and she's like, that little girl was so funny. She was going off of him in Spanish, all those curses. And then she's like, and then I cried. She's like, my heart broke. And I was like, Ma, I love you. You don't. <laughs> You're so funny. Um. But yeah, no, that night was crazy. It was it was awesome. Um, I wish I had like all the official pictures. There were all these photographers there. They took all these pictures. I don't have a single picture. <laughs> so a little salty about that. Keep looking for pictures. Can't find any. Um, but no, it was it was it was a great moment. It was, you know, it was just so important. I was so glad that you know, Puerto Rico strong one. I got a lot of people coming up to me afterwards that just were very sincerely congratulatory. Um, you know, and we were, we were up against a lot of good books, like twisted romance, um, where we live, you know, they were just, there were a lot of good anthologies that were up and, you know, I felt very grateful and very proud of what we were able to accomplish. Marco, where were you when all this came down? And I know that you were talking to, you know, Oh, I was to friends. I was, I was home. I uh, so I, you know, I went into where I write and stuff, and went on the computer, and uh, you know, um, you know, was on social media the whole time, uh, as uh, you know, talking with uh, Derek and uh, Neil about it. Um, but yeah, I, that's where I was. I was at home, um, going through the torture of it all until they finally got to <laughs> that we won. <laughs> it yeah, was real him, him, him and Neil kept going, why are the acceptance speeches so long? <laughs> I mean, some of them did seem really long. Like 15, <laughs> 20 minutes were passing and no new awards were being, were being shown. And I'm like, all right, this is really cool. And I'm sure they're saying awesome stuff. But like, I kept thinking in my head, like, in Chappelle, in the Chappelle show, like, wrap it up. I was like, oh, like, wrap it up. Like, you should get, you know, you get, like, your... I mean, I, I couldn't tell what they were talking about. I'm sure everyone said wonderful, beautiful things, you know, thanking, like, all people involved, and, and that's awesome. But, you know, it kind of goes back to, like, the award being so late in the show. And, you know, it was, like, 145 by the time our category came up. And I'm like... I just want to go to sleep, but I can't go to sleep because if I miss this, I'm going to, like, hate myself that I miss this moment. Um, but, yeah, I mean. They were also doing, like, like little comedic bits in between. Oh, really? Pre yeah, presentations. And then they also had. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they also had uh, some immemorial um, presentations, yeah. too. And um, a couple, a couple other things that just kind of ran the, apparently the Eisners go long every year and that's what I hear like every yeah. year they're just they just go long <laughs> yeah I was following it on 
uh, Comixology was doing Comixology, updates. Comixology, yes. But yeah. fan base press were doing like picture up because I guess they were there, so they're doing like picture updates. So I saw some like when they're doing pictures of like the bits of like here's you know this person as famous person is here and this famous person is here and like oh here's the in, in memoriam. And I was like, man, why aren't you guys streaming this? This is the 21st century. It can't be that expensive to stream this whole award show on <laughs> yeah, like Drama or Bleeding Cool or somebody, you know, comic book resources. You know, right. one of them, you know, it would be a great thing to stream that. Um, right. right. So that, that, that would have made, made the waiting a lot less painful if, yep. you know, if I was like watching, like I was watching the show. Then I would just be like, oh, okay, you know. Um, but that's just one of those things I think they, they should and it do. Can't, it can't be that hard to do that. I mean, Facebook literally it, has a thing, Facebook Live. It make, takes like two seconds to set one of those exactly. up. <laughs> You're right. You're right. But, yeah, but, I. Go ahead, go ahead. The, the funniest, the funniest, that's my goal most of the time. So, you know, it works out. <laughs> it does. It happens on a, da- on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Hilarious. I love Derek like a brother, but, you know, like family, sometimes you just want to strangle them. <laughs> so uh, I, I remember that night too. It was very, it was just very surreal for me as well. Comicsology was something that I was just like, refresh, 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 refresh. Yep. Um, and yeah, I was a little frustrated as well. And I, and I had to now be Twitter savvy and look at all the hashtags. What's this hashtag say? Oh, someone took a half a picture of the brochure. I think that's P for Puerto Rico. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so it was just. It was very interesting, and um, I, I have to admit, I, I did I did tear up when when the when it was announced because it's I I am th- so happy um, that with everything going on in Puerto Rico, you know, even with the protest, it was just so surreal, you know, um, it, it it was it was like it was meant to be, you know, because I think Puerto Rico is still going through rough times, you know, with the protest and 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 the whole. Uh, Ricky Renuncia, it, it was just, it, it was time, and, and, I'm, and I'm so happy that it that it worked out. Um, but but let me ask you, um, I feel like the, the the chemistry between y'all is is part of the reason why all this worked. Um, did that chemistry that you have, did that really really help during the editing process and getting everything? You know, was it good to work well with all with all of you? And I know Hazel's not here, and we'll try to I will reach out to them at some point. So talk about, please, about the, the type of chemistry that all of you had. I look like boys go first, because y'all, <laughs> y'all kind of have, yeah, you guys got your, your group that Marco kind of pulled me in, and then um, I pulled Hazel in, because Hazel has a lot of experience. They've done two anthologies, uh, Bikini Chainmail and Comics for Choice, um, that I believe they ran through Kickstarter. I'm not entirely sure, though. But um, that were both successful and both really good. So I've never done an anthology. I was like, be cool to have someone to to kind of help guide. So And they were really, really great about it, too. They were, um, you know, they were like, they acknowledged that they were white. <laughs> and, you know, they were like, I don't want to talk over anybody's story. I'm going to leave that to you guys. I'm here just to kind of help you put this together in a really cohesive manner and, um, you know, kind of come up with like guidelines on like how we can, how we can put together an anthology. It was a really great experience cause I've never done an anthology before. So. I think the chemistry was great. Um, it, uh, I don't know if, uh, the, you know, the chemistry that, cause I think at that time I had just, I don't remember cause 
I will say something like, oh, I think that just happened not too long ago. And somebody will be like, that was two years ago, man. I'm like, really? Um, Seems like yesterday. I think at the time uh, when we first started, like the really, really when I just hit up Derek and then when I hit up Desiree and then when Derek was like, hey, um, do you think it would be cool to, you know, bring Neil on? And I was like, yeah, I think I had just at that point had just been getting to know Neil. I'm not, so like, I don't remember, I could be wrong. Neil might be like, no man, we already knew each other for months. Um, but... No, I, I, th- I think it was like, it was pretty quick. <laughs> no, and... no, yeah, yeah. It was just you and me like talking and like, uh, then that, I think just after that is when we pulled the chat that we've got going on for what, three, two years now? Yeah, yeah. we talk every single day. All day, every day. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but they're my uh, they're my they're my comic husbands. <laughs> um, but I think you know um, I I think the whole everyone worked uh, really well together. It was just one of those we really wanted to make it happen. We really wanted because it was one of the things I always keep telling anybody. It was like it was an incredibly short schedule. As far as I know, you know, um, <clears throat> even when it comes to comics, I think the only time that's probably had a shorter schedule when Marvel did way back when they did the whole uh, 9-11 reaction uh, comics. Hmm. Um, I think that might have had a um, shorter schedule. But, um, you know, it was, it was incredibly short, and it was, it was a lot of emails, a lot of, you know, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think it, it's like, I don't know if every, there was uh, anybody did any one... Uh, thing um it was just a very wild ride i think it would have to be more it probably would have to have been more wild for hazel desiree Derek, and neil because neil you know working at nickelodeon and then doing this and then Derek working at his job and then doing this and then desiree and hazel working at lion forge and i'm doing all the stuff that they have to do at lion forge and on top of, <laughs> of doing that um me, I wasn't really uh, working a day job while doing that, so I was more like, yeah, yeah, just you know, you need me, you know, just throw more stuff on me because like I don't have a, uh, you know, anything else that I'm, you know, doing um, around this. Um, but it was just really, you know, there was never a, any point. You figure with something like this, there would be a point where somebody would like, you know, toss their computer against the wall and be like, ah, you know, there, there wasn't any really frustrations. There were some hiccups. There were some, you know, minor annoyances, but nothing that was like, you know, oh, dear God, why did I think of even doing this? Um, Everybody was pretty much super on board for doing this and all the people involved, all the great creators and writers. And like, um, to me, it seemed like probably the best, smoothest possible based on the situation and time frame. Um, um, But I thought it went great. And then everyone, you know, just, you know, fed off each other. So it, you know, pretty much, you know, worked uh, in the end. And, and to like echo off um, Marco and Desiree, you know, as one of the first big projects I worked on, I mean, it really was so smooth. Everyone from, you know, all manner of, of walks who was involved in this, uh, in the anthology, um, you know, everyone made it just so easy. Sure, there were hiccups. I mean, there's always a hiccup in, in literally everything. Um, but nothing was like, 
nothing was hard. And, and also, you know, as another white person who was involved in this anthology, um, there's, there was a lot of history here that I did not know. And, um, I, I've, I learned so much through this an- entire anthology. And it also really made me think how, uh, in our schools, we do just a terrible, terrible job of talking about Puerto Rico and its history or her history and how unfortunate that is um, that there's all this, you know, there's some wonderful history. There's some awful tragedies um, and we really learn nothing. Um, so I really took it as a very big like learning experience overall. Um, and I also, you know, I, it, it, it was definitely like a fun little challenge because, you know, I was, I was definitely like reading through the stories and I had my, my notes here and there, but in terms of like history, I was really relying on, you know, uh, Desiree, Marco and Derek to really just like kind of jump in and be like, oh, well, this might not be historically accurate. And there was so much that, you know, I could do my own research for sure, but I looked to them as like the authorities, um, and even like when in the story that I have written in the book, uh, I was doing all this research and, um, you know, I, I, I eventually just tried to make it where it could have been anywhere there. And, you know, I can't like as devastated as I felt about um, everything going on in Puerto Rico. Like I didn't have like I don't have family there. Um, so it was a little, it was challenging. You know, it was like an interesting challenge to try and write but also like edit this um but again everyone made it like such a smooth smooth process um and it was wonderful and wonderful to see such amazing people come together um give their time and and energy and put like blood sweat and tears to make this hit a very aggressive deadline to to just get it out there um and i mean i I, we're like we're all just legit proud i think i speak for everyone um, and we've said it a lot, but just pr- proud of how everything came together and, and, and uh, you know, how, what we put out there in, in, the, in the world. Yeah. Um, I, the one thing I will say is that, you know, everybody talks about, like, how the timeline was aggressive. And for me, I'm just like, I don't notice this <laughs> I'm like, because it's the first <laughs> time I've ever done anything. And I'm like, this is what he wants. I'm going to give it to him. This is what Desiree is asking me for. I'm going to get it to her. So... You know, I was just, to me, it was like I was back in school and I had homework and I needed to just get it done. So, um, but then again, I am not like, you know, doing or writing as many other projects as maybe many other people um, were, were writing or doing. So, um, but yeah, I, it was, I think working with the artist that I was working with, I mean, he was just like, wow, this is an aggressive deadline. I'm like, is it though? Because I'm done writing. <laughs> well, Tony, Tony, he's an artist. I mean, that's a very typical, uh, that's a very typical writer answer there. I know. I, I, I can I know, speak uh, for artists. Uh, our, our deadlines are a little stressful. It was, I mean, to give perspective, what we pitched this anthology, New York Comic Con, which was October. And gathered up majority of the contributors, and then we had to get everybody contracted. And contracting was a whole separate thing. Um, you have to make up a lot of work. Whereas we had a lot of contributors. I want to say at least forty, maybe. I might be underselling that. Actually, we might actually have more. We probably have more. 
I can't count. This is why I'm in editorial and publishing, not math. <laughs> um, this is why I taught literacy to young girls, not mathematics. Um, but yeah, people didn't actually get started until probably November, and the book had to go out February. So it was about a two, three month project. And you can usually, a single issue takes three to four months. So an anthology, which is our anthology was about 240 something pages. Um, it was, it was, it was very tight for a lot of, a lot of people. I felt for all the writers and all the artists and the colorists and the letters, um, that worked on it and really put their hearts into it, um, to be able to, to put something in that was of value, um, and give us a product in such a short period of time, um, that still, just resonated with so many people. Um, I actually, I was visiting a Lionforge booth at San Diego and there was uh, a young woman there who was helping the booth. I believe she works at Oni. Um, but we were talking and she thanked you know, me and she, she was just so touched by the project. And she was just so grateful she had told me because she was like, I never see this. Um, you know, she's like, we don't see our stories and this resonated with me so deeply um and i was like i was like look you gonna make me cry like desi cries very easily i got no shame in that um you know and but she was she was very very sweet and she was very sincere and uh you know and that was just all in part to you know the editorial team and you know all the contributors that put in so much um, of their hearts and souls into believing in this project um, you know, and then the, the prompts that we, we gave out, you know, and the stories that we got from those prompts were great. So we had a lot of educators that came up, a lot of librarians, a lot of educators that came up to the booth. Um, and they constantly still ask about Puerto Rico strong, how to get this in schools, how to get this in classrooms and things like that, which is great. Cause that was one of the goals. I noticed that as well, um, that there has been a, a big educational component in this, um, and well, I know that the main goal was to sort of, you know, get money to those in need in Puerto Rico. You know, there is this other side thing about education and history that I don't think a lot of people, including me, really thought about. So I think that's sort of ingenious to say, you know, in, in a way, think about it on a, in a twofold. Like, not only are we really using this money to benefit those in need in Puerto Rico, but then to sort of educate everybody else about Puerto Rico, I think is so ingenious. And like I said, for me, I didn't even see it that way until Lionforge, you know, was uh, tweeting out uh, this thing for educators and how to use certain stories uh, in their curriculum. I think that's amazing. Oh, I don't well, know if by, anybody by, came up with that. And, and by the way, I, I looked on Monday because someone online had said that, that we had like over a hundred creators in the book. And I wanted to like make sure that that made sense. It's, it's 60 plus if I remember correctly for the uh, amount of wow. creators we had in the book. Wow. It was, it was a lot of people. And yeah, um, like I said, I've, I've worked in education and, um, one of the things that, you know, is a personal belief is that a lot of ignorance can be addressed if you have, if you have the willingness to learn, you know, you have to have empathy to learn and you have to have a willingness to, to actually learn and such. And a lot of history just the American education system sucks. That's why I left it. 
Like, there's so much bureaucracy. I hate it. Any of you guys have kids, you probably know the struggles. I don't have kids, but I taught them. And um, the history that we teach in public schools is dismal. Um, and it's very rudimentary. Um, and Puerto Rico is very much a footnote. Like, a lot of other, uh, you know, ethnic and cultures um, of color, um, there's not a lot that's taught. And a lot of that... And, if it is taught, it's whitewashed, yeah. you know, as much as possible um, and watered down, you know, to hold up the whole, you know, white supremacist um, foundation. Um, but I don't want us to get kicked off Skype, too. So, but with Puerto Rico, like many and I, I noticed this after all the, the talks of the hurricane and the financial crisis. And, stuff, and a lot of people were just shocked. A lot of people just didn't know. And they were they were so baffled, you know, like, oh, how could this be? And a lot of people didn't even realize that Puerto Ricans are citizens and that Puerto Rico is essentially a colony. Um, you know, technically it's a territory, but, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and they don't have people from the island don't have the ability to vote um, and they don't know the history, you know, and all of the, the horrors and highs that the island has gone through. Um, so this was a real opportunity to not just create an anthology that could be financially beneficial and raise money for hurricane relief, but also beneficial in a way where it could be an educational resource for a lot of people so that they could read these stories and learn uh, different aspects of Puerto Rican, the Puerto Rican community, like what our lives are, what our culture is, who our people are. Um, that way it just would have more longevity, um, you know, so yeah, that was that was one of the things that we had talked about very early in the in the process. So, are there any talks about you know Puerto Rico Strong Two? Are there a slew of stories that you couldn't add to this anthology that maybe could be in a sequel, or maybe we're going to start something different? Um, any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, we're up for it. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, I. I think I don't remember if there was any um, stories that didn't make it in. Um, I if any didn't make it, I think there's like one or two that didn't make it in, but it was more of a uh, scheduling conflict issue. Um, you know, with uh, all the talent in, uh, involved. You know, the thing is when you have such a tight schedule like this was, there's you know everyone's got personal lives and then everyone's got you know day jobs or everyone's you know depending on what their day job is and all that. So, you know, sometimes there's going to be, you know, stories that, you know, are just going to end up, you know, not being able to happen because, you know, somebody will hit us up and be like, I'm not going to be able to do this, actually. And it's like, hey, we understand, you know, because it's all being done, you know, um, for free, all the work, you know, um, on this. Um, me and Derek have joked about, well, not really joke. We like to say it's joking. Or I like to say it's joking, but it's not really joking. But, you know, one day... Uh, me and Derek have talked about doing a uh, uh, a thing like you know Latinx strong, like a uh, uh, anthology series where all the different stories and there are different genre stories by by Latinx creators. You know, kind of like how you have Shonen Jump in Japan um, type thing, but different Latinx creators. You know, and call it Latinx strong or something like that. Um, so we thought that would be cool, um, just because. You know, one of the things you know, you notice if you don't already see it with this book 
um, is that it proves there is a lot of uh, talent out there um, that uh, a lot of Latinx talent, a lot of minority talent um, that is, you know, good and that should be doing more in the industry and that their work should be out there and they should be getting more notice and that there really isn't an excuse as to why, like, on, like honestly, if you're a publisher, and I don't know, I'll probably kill my chances with any publisher now that I'm about to say this. <laughs> if you're a, a, a publisher and, you know, you have the opportunity to bring on, you know, uh, Latinx talent, I mean, well, we just did a book that, yeah, it was, you know, for charity, but then it's been used for so much more. And it shows writing and artistic talent of people. So, like, you really have no excuse because there's a book you can literally just get off the shelf and flip through it and just be like, you know, go to your assistant and be like, find me that person, you know, or like go online and find them and then just like, you know, be like, hey, and then, you know, work with them. So, I mean, it's one of the easiest things. So, <clears throat> I mean, honestly, at this point, <clears throat> you know, we've proven the, um, that any excuse that any editors, creators, publishers have from here on out on why they don't have more minority talent, well, it's basically a bullshit excuse. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm really happy you said that because I've, um, you know, when I first read the anthology, that was, I've said that on this show. We, and we've spoken a lot about how, period, when you have marginalized groups of people, um, you know, putting out work, there's always this assumption from the mainstream that that work is less than or that like you know what i mean that like some exception is being made but with puerto rico strong like the talent of everyone involved was so so undeniable you know what i mean that like i i said that that it's actually people should just have this in their rolodex or whatever and you know what i mean just call up call up these people because there's so many so many dope people in there i mean some some of the people that worked on this are already they're either they're either novelists you know that have popular works they're the artists that have already working for publishers so there's no there's no excuse for the grander like i mean if you go to like i'm a nerd about industry numbers so I was, every month i always go to comicron.com to look up you know what the sales were for the previous month in comics and the publisher breakdown and all that um and when you look at that and you look at the you know the, who the top 20 publishers are and everything like you know, and I know in this anthology that some of the people in there have worked for those publishers. So there's no excuse for the other publishers to not use those people or use people who aren't already getting work in comics. Like, it's an undeniable truth. But I mean, honestly, what's going to probably have to happen for more of that to change is those people are going to have to get replaced with people that understand, you know. So you're just going to have to, like, you know get rid of some editors and replace those with editors, you know, or above editors. You know, I'm not, don't want to bl make the blame all on editors, but there's the way, you know, you know a little bit about the industry and how the hierarchy in a publishing company works. Then it's like, if you guys aren't going to do it, then how about they just get rid of you and bring people on who are, who are going to do it. Yeah. That's a very, that's a very good, good point. Um, I don't know if I have any other questions. I feel like we've really <laughs> gotten into uh, the, the the crux of all this. Um, I don't know, Marcus, if you have any any questions. Since I feel like I asked all of them. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like you were very thorough. Uh, I, if 
I mean, unless there, there's something that we missed, uh, I think it would be good to kind of get into what everyone else has coming or, you know what I mean, has been working on or is nerding out about. That's true. So um, so I hear that uh, there's a, a new uh, project, Marco, that you're doing with, with a few folks here. Yeah, I will let Derek talk about it because he'll probably explain it better. He'll probably, since he, <laughs> since he, he worked with Dow Brothers and, you know, he'll probably explain it in a way in which people will be like, oh, I'm interested in that. If I explain it, I'll ramble on and you'll be like, I don't want to get that shit. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm going to let Derek explain what me, him, and Neil have going here that's going to drop next week. So so one of, like, my favorite things always in comics is um, finding, like, audiences that, like, don't buy comics and bringing those people into comics. I mean, at Dabble, we did it with... Uh, like all the book off, like we uh, we did George Martin's uh, Hedge Knight, and then you know that's based in the Game of Thrones uh, universe. So you know we bought all, we bought those fans into comics. We uh, did Anita Blake. We bought those fans into comics, Dresden Files. So I figured, why don't I try the same thing? So I'm friends with uh, uh, a bunch of like uh, newer authors, you know, paranormal romance type people. So I figured, let, why don't I ask these people if they want to like bring their creations to comics and get some of that fan base that mostly buy their books to check out some comics. So we decided to make an anthology with uh, these paranormal stories and like, uh, just see if like we can do like magic on our own and uh, have like these uh, stories shine and, you know, have comic people see these books and uh, non-comic people see these comics and, you know, bring these two audiences together and make a bigger audience. Yeah, that's a very good explanation. I would have fucked that up. Um, we do have in the in the first volume, we're working with four um, authors: uh, Kim Alexander, uh, Rue Valley, J.D. Brown, and Rachel Rawlings. Um, their work is mostly in uh, paranormal romance, um, and then. Um, we have, uh, so we're adapting four of their stories, one that it's exclusive to the anthology. I believe it's Rachel Rollins' story that's exclusive to the anthology. That's um, what it is. It is. There we go. That's, I, that, I'm glad I didn't mess that up. And then <laughs> we, have, we have an original story that's written by, well, actually, we have two original stories, both of them written by me. Um... One uh, is based on a character that me, Neil, and Derek created. Um, she's like, uh, I don't want to say a Latinx bounty hunter. I guess she's just like, a, she's a Latinx monster ass kicker, I guess you could say. Like, she's she's immortal, and you can find out more in the story. She's vampire, va vampire hunter D if, if she was Puerto Rican. <laughs> wow. I like so, that. She's also on the cover of the of the book. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Okay. So that's her on the cover of the book. Uh, Just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> her name is Izzy. Is it Izzy? Was it was that was that the name that we chose? I don't remember. I think it was Izzy. Izzy DeSoto. Yes, it, it, it's Izzy. It's Izzy. Yeah, there we go. See. Um, <laughs> so I'm so I'm so glad I'm an editor and co-creator of this because I remember everything. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, and then we're working with you know uh, a lot of talent like uh, Jess Taylor. Uh, she's a fantastic artist. She's worked with Lion Forge a lot, um, and she's worked with other publishers. And Jess Taylor did the cover. That's that's the the main the regular cover, the main cover that's on the anthology um, of Izzy fighting those monsters. That's like in a bayou swamp in Louisiana. 
Um, and then Brett Booth is doing the Kickstarter exclusive variant cover. Um, and then we're working with artists like um, Jamie Jones, uh, Puis Casada, um, Jose Marrono. Um, I think those are the artists. Those are it for that because I know Jess is working on two stories. DC Hopkins is doing lettering. Uh, Brian Magnaya is doing coloring. Um, we have for like stretch goals, we have uh, Layla Liz uh, for mini print. We have Ariel Ariala Cristantina for uh, mini print. We have Sweeney Boo uh, down for like book play art. And then we have all these different stretch goals for pens and all this other stuff. It's going to be hopefully something that people want um, and that people will really dig. Uh, and so the first volume is called Strange Encounters. Each volume after that will be a different name. Um, it'll, be stra- but it'll be Strange. Strange and something. Something, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, volume two will have another story with Izzy DeSoto. And then volume three will have another story with her in there along with all, with, you know, other adapted stories and original stories in each volume. Um, and then I already reached out to some uh, new talent that are familiar to people. I don't want to say who they are. But uh, Derek and Neil know that, you know, they're going to be, you know, contributing to volume two and three. Um, and then. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Anthony, we, we could we could ask you, too, if you want to <laughs> write a story for it. I've uh, got stories for days. So you just let me know. <laughs> awesome. And then, and then the whole plan is to, you know, this is the first thing under this, like, well, what, what I'm calling right now, like our boutique label um, until it becomes bigger and it's no longer a boutique label. You know, it's just King Skull Comics. And, um, you know, the plan is to eventually out of these strange, you know, books um, is to spin off Izzy DeSoto into her own, you know, story. And then also to do other stuff. Um, so we're hoping it's like a little label that'll grow, whether it grows into a big label like Dark Horse or becomes like a cool boutique label like Udon. You know, we'll see how that goes. Um, it should be a lot of fun. The Kickstarter launches next week on Tuesday, August 6th on Twitter. Uh, if you go to at King Skull Comics on Twitter, you follow us on Facebook, um, Instagram. I don't know. Derek can tell you what the Instagram is. I'm not on Instagram. I, I have two it, social. It, 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 it's King Skull Comics. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I got two social medias. I got Twitter and Facebook. I don't need to be doing any more um, besides that. So I don't do Instagram. I don't, I don't do any of the other stuff. Um, but yeah, that drops next week. We have on, well, I was going to say on tw- on Twitter and Facebook, we have the little event thing where you can go to the link that takes you to the, the Facebook event page and you can tell us, you know, whether you're interested or going and, you know, uh, we're just asking people to spread the word and hopefully it's something that, you know, people dig, um, and you know, something that's a little different. Um, I know when people hear paranormal, paranormal romance, they think, uh, it's romance stuff, and I'm like, you know, don't hate romance stuff yeah. is good. I like rom rom coms. I must. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you could, you could you could consider Buffy paranormal romance. That's just yeah, 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 definitely. They're basically stories like that, you know, Nita Blake, Buffy type things. Um, it's, but it's, it's it's a funny thing because I always notice like if 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 a woman does um paranormal books they call it paranormal romance if a guy does it it's just urban fantasy so <laughs> that's one of the things that's got to change yeah we're, we're trying to change that and i think to also <laughs> echo marco um is and i think 
the thing that all of us are really excited about is that it's something that's very different than that's really out there in the marketplace right now. And it's also all these authors uh, who are working with were so excited at the concept of breaking the comics. Like they all in some capacity wanted to do that. Uh, some of their fans have asked them before, love to see your, your, your stories adapted. Um, and I think everyone who picks up the book, like everyone could pretty much find something that they're, they're going to resonate toward um, something that's going to speak directly to them. And it's also, it could open up a whole new universe for them to check out uh, the other work that these authors have done. And it could also potentially lead to us adapting these stories further. Like, I, I like to think of this as, you know, it's a step slash tease in a good direction, right? Um, we definitely want uh, to help uh, these authors and like continue to expand and, and grow and, and um, you know, and continue to reach new audiences and, uh, you know, the three of us really believe that this is, you know, it's going to, it's going to help. And, uh, you know, after these three, you know, I think the plan is to continue and kind of give it be a place where authors who may already be bestsellers, people who are, uh, already on, on the rise, who just, um, or someone new, you know, in, in, in the sense of, um, you know, our character Izzy and just, you know, again, it just goes back to just finding something for everyone that, everyone could kind of like enjoy and, you know, take a moment to not think of, you know, a, a typical day to day and just kind of go into a fantasy world where they can just kind of forget about real life for like two seconds and, and just enjoy, um, you know, read a great story and see some great art. Um, one of the things I forgot to mention is uh, I remembered another artist involved. So I have to, you know, say who she is um, or, you know, she, if she hears this, she might be like, what the hell? You forgot me. Um, Allie Cat, she's worked for, like, Albatross Funny Books. She's worked for, done stuff for CBLDF, Vertigo, uh, did backups in Justin Jordan's spread. Um, so she's another artist that's going to be on it. She's really cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's really exciting what we're doing. Hopefully it hits. Um, no, you no, know. no, 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 you... no. When it hits. <laughs> I am a positive person but i'm also puerto rican so <laughs> that's true that's true that's very true <laughs> okay 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 <laughs> um desiree so um can you talk a little bit about the future without getting too deep into it of the the catalyst prime universe how, how is it going now and where do you see it going in the future? Because you've got some great books in this in this lineup. Uh, well, thank you. Um, we work very hard. I work very hard. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we Gail right now, and and it's been announced for a while. But Gail's uh, working with Gail Simone, um, and she um, is writing an event crossover book. Mm, um, yeah. it, all the other it's called seven days mm -hmm. all the other books are going to go on hiatus so there's no tie-ins um you know no extra books that you have to get you can just get these seven issues um thank god because that's it's easier on my editorial self um i'm already juggling a lot of balls she should, she should uh, uh you got you guys should uh well no don't never mind i was gonna say marvel marvel should take a note but never mind you guys you guys hold that down <laughs> yep, hold it down um Oh god, those were days when I worked in the comic shop. Those events mm -hmm. was fun. Um, try being a woman in a comic shop. Uh, I, uh, 
the, the things that people just think they can say is so interesting. Um, I actually, I was with Regine from uh, Women in Comics in San Diego, and um, we were just trading stories. And uh, I told her about this one customer that came in with a Nazi flag. Oh. And I gave him, I don't like, I already didn't like him, but um, I gave him such a look and he was like, no, 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 no. It's just a piece of history I had in my attic. I just wanted to, sh- to show the owner. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I'm like, this is why I kick your ass out of the store every night, dude. Like, mm, no. Piece of history. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no. So yeah, Gail's writing seven days. Um, it's really, really exciting. We have, we actually have uh, a new character she's introducing, um, that I'm really excited for. Um, and she's like this, like 20 something year old Puerto Rican journalist. And she's going to, you know, be, um, really important later down the line for like the future of the, the Catalyst Prime universe. Um, and we had Chris Batista do her character design, which was really awesome. Um, and uh, what's it? Collie Hammer did the design for our evil alien overlord villain for the series, Krellin. Um, yeah, so we have we have a lot of new characters coming in, but Gail's doing a lot to kind of make it really accessible and such. And then we have a lot of great writers coming in for um, the books when they come back from hiatus. Um, Amy Chu is going to be on Summit. Still, um, Alex Pacadel is going to remain on Kino, which is awesome. He's doing really great work. Um, there's a couple of new writers that I'm super, super excited about, but was told I'm not allowed to share yet, which is just rude. I'm not good at keeping secrets. Um, but we're super, super excited about them. Um, I've already read a couple outlines. Uh, we're going to get into some really interesting stuff with uh, with the superhero line, um, which, yeah, so we got we got plans. So, which is, it's just, it's going to be really cool. Seven Days comes out in October is when the first issue releases, and then it's an issue every month after that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, keep an eye on, like, the, the CPU Insider Twitter. Um, the person that runs that is always, like, sharing information and sharing, like, little tidbits of artwork and stuff. And then they'll probably be sharing some stuff of, like, stuff that's coming out. Um, Ronnie Varden's going to be on Incredible 2. Incredible's been really, really great. Um, so, but, yeah, so that's... That's what the Catalyst Prime stuff. And then for me, um, I actually just submitted a story to an anthology. So cross your fingers for me, guys, that I get in. Um, so, yes. But yeah, so it's it, life is happening. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Life should happen. Right? You would hope so. I told Mamita the other day, I was like, oh, I'm going to be like 27 this year. And she's like, oh, God, you're going to be almost 30 and you're not married. I'm like, what the fuck, ma? She's like, you're just going to die with the cat, Shepa. And I'm like, it's not even my cat. Like, at least let me get my own cat first before you write me off. She wants to be an abuela. She wants, like, grandbabies and stuff. And I'm like, mm, these hips aren't meant for birth and babies. Yeah, I just it, yeah, my mother's the same way. I'm just I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I'm just like, and I'm my my advice to you is just wait, wait for as long as you can. That's all I'm gonna say. Yes, I am engaged. That's not the point. I'm just saying, just wait. Yeah, I um, I'm like fine. at least let me find like a person before you start hounding <laughs> me about the babies. Like, damn, I'm single, ma. She's like, I know. Stay I'm like, oh, that that Puerto Rican mother guilt on my soul. It's the worst. Yeah. It's absolutely the worst. 
No, I can, no one I can, can also make you, attest to No one to... can make you feel as bad as your parents. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Valid. If, 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 if it helps, I can attest to Jamaican mother guilt. Uh, you know, it's Caribbean it's, stuff. It's Car- yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah it's Car- yeah. You're right. It's, it's all Caribbean guilt. Yeah. And go see my mother. Hey, how are you doing? I'm not feeling so well. What's wrong? I just I just want to know if I'm ever going to be a grandmother. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's smooth, though. You got to give it up to her, though. I like how she, she slides it in. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, God. Do I have to talk to your fiance? Maybe. <laughs> oh, you know what? Just don't. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Speaking of updates, Marcus, do you have anything? What are you working on? Um, I still can't speak still about can't the big, about the big one that I'm working on. Um, I am chipping away at the, uh, you know, the remainder of, of Snow Days issue two, but um, I, I, my big project that I'm the top secret one is kind of taking most of my creative time right now. But um, hopefully there there will be an announcement soon enough where I can actually talk about it. And you and the Kickstarter that you did that has passed the book. I've, I've already gotten the books. Thank oh, you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Thank, you want yeah, to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, anyone who listens to the show regularly knows that um, I've uh, I contributed art to one story in Cash and Carry Book Two, and I um did the bulk of the art of the the art for Cash and Carry Book Two, um, the main storyline. And uh, that is uh, the Kickstarter. People who backed on Kickstarter should have received their books or are going to be receiving them very soon. Um, And uh, the official launch is going to be in September or either September or October. So you can go to Amazon right now to pre-order. You know, I know Amazon is evil, but sometimes you can get good things there. And uh, yeah, Cash and Carry, for those who don't know, is it's an all ages... um, very inclusive, uh, you know, novel about two middle school detectives and they solve crimes. Um, and in this book, they're solving crimes, uh, not, not crimes, but they're solving mysteries at summer camp. So this whole issue is summer themed. It's like really fun. It's fun for all ages, not just, uh, little kids. So yeah, definitely rec- recommend it to everybody. Um, if you go to my Twitter, there is a link um for where you can find it to pre-order it or just go, uh, go to amazon and search for cash and carry c-a-r-r-i-e um and it's book two summer sleuths so yeah check it it's out it's like shades of encyclopedia brown if anybody remembers that <laughs> yeah yeah but with you know with, with brown people with brown people and, and all right. kinds of people all kinds of people <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So uh, with the little time that we have left, uh, we can just get into a few things, just a few things. Uh, I just want to know what everybody's watching. What are you watching or what are you reading? I can start. Yeah, you go. (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching The Boys on Amazon, and I got to tell you, I am so fascinated with this show. Um, Did, did Did you read the comics? I didn't even realize it was a comic, so now I, I want to go and now get the comic books. That's because I, I want to know. I want to find out from someone who's who read the comics and watched the show. Um, what do they think? I gotta read it. Have you I have you read? If you, if you if you have a comics unlimited, a comicsology unlimited account, uh, the first Omni is uh, on there to mm. read. On it. 
Y'all can let me know if the show has as much sexual assault and rapey stuff as the comics did. That's that's what I want to know. Oh, I, well, I can tell you. No, oh, God. <laughs> you know what? I, like, I, I didn't watch Chernobyl because they told me there's that whole scene where they kill a bunch of dogs and animals. I, I can't watch that. Can't watch that. Can't watch that, no. See, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. I don't know if you're ever going to watch it. I won't get into it. But the first episode is very interesting and, and does have a sexual assault on it, yes, from one superhero to another. It is fascinating. I'm not saying, oh, my God, I, I loved it. I'm just saying <laughs> fascinating because you just never would think that a superhero would do that. You well, know what I mean? And you realize, me, well, he's a man. Of course he would, you know? So, um yeah, I, I would recommend it, but yeah, it's I think it's toned down from the comic books, from what I'm hearing. Mm. But but I've I've seen some stuff that I'm I, I can't unsee <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to superheroes uh, and how they use their powers for things of pleasure. That was interesting. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll check it out eventually, but I you know, I don't know. No, no dogs die in the first five episodes. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a step in the right direction. <laughs> I can't say that about people, but no dogs die. <laughs> What's every? What else? I mean, are you watching anything? Are you reading anything? I'm uh-huh. trying to think. I mean, I've been. My wife and I started Stranger Things season oh, three. Yes. We're about, I think, three episodes in. Uh, I think it's fine. Like, I feel like they wasted two episodes just building up, like, what everyone's been doing for, like, four months, which is fine. But I feel like for an eight-episode series or uh, season, like, that's a huge waste of time. Like, you should be doing that. Maybe spend, like, 20 minutes of the the first episode, like, fast-tracking, like, hey, this person's here, this person's there, whatever. And I feel like at the end of the third episode, it's like, okay, now I'm starting to get into, like, the meat and potatoes. Yep. But... It's too delayed, and yeah. you know, exactly. I agree. And, and, and like we haven't even gone back to like watching it. Like I haven't felt, you know, a dr- this the first season I think was the only one where I was like I have to watch this like yeah. nonstop. Like I just I don't want to sleep. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go to work. Like I just want to watch like blow through all of it. And even season two, I was like, eh, like it was it was okay. <laughs> and like I'm kind of feeling it with season three. Um, I mean, I heard it gets. A little better like they the later episodes really you know drive home what's going on but it's just too much build up all i'm hearing is hate yeah pretty much <laughs> i mean listen i'm not saying i can write a better show i'm just saying you know no 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 I, no that's that's what he's saying that's, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so on. Brothers, brothers are on. uh listening uh you know season four <laughs> hit me up uh i will help you guys you know craft a great uh you know, not miss two episodes of uh, wasting two episodes. You know. Yo, that was a uh, that was a smooth uh, pitch wrapped in critique. I love it. That was a, that yeah. was great. That, that's <laughs> Neil in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's what I excel at. I try and just look at what can I do better, <laughs> but also be like, hey, I love what you're doing, but you know. Um, I'm also trying to think what I've been reading. I've been reading a lot of stuff on the DCU. Uh, trying to catch up on Rebirth um, for a lot of stuff that I just kind of fell off on. Um, like actual comics or digital comics? Digital. 
Marco loves digital. Marco does love digital. Mm. Uh, also, <laughs> I'm actually really loving the new Buffy series, the Buffy and Angel. Oh, Having I a great heard time. about that. I, I didn't I read it. Like, it's like a modern reboot with like a lot of the pieces from like the show and the history like kind of in there, but they like take it kind of they take it back to like the beginning. And it's just fun. It's like kind of seeing everything play out in a different way. Um, it's cool. Like I would definitely check it out. Like you love the show. Um, I, I would definitely check it out. Who's the uh, Who's the creative team on that? I honestly have no idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I think you're uh, a terrible comic creator, Neil. I, I know. Think, I am. I think Jody Hauser writes Buffy. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. And um. I forgot what's his name who writes uh, Angel. He uh, he did um, Death Blow for the Wildstorm with Warren Ellis. Um, and then he wrote the Batman Black Lightning comic. I'm forgetting his name. Okay. Um, he's a really good writer. Really, really good. Um, I mean, definitely uh, check out the series. No, I'm uh, reading the beloved return of my X-Men in House of X. Oh, I got to read House of yeah, X. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm really digging. Okay. So I got to choose my words wisely. Um, <laughs> uh, not to say that the past X-Men stuff was bad. I'm just very, very, very finicky and picky when it comes to X-Men. Um, I understand. I understand that. So I really liked, uh, what Tom Taylor, when he did X-Men Red, um, uh, writing wise, uh, and then the Wolverine book that he did when Wolverine was dead. And uh, his daughter, X-23, was Wolverine. I thought that was great. It was a great take on the... He kind of did, like, an Orphan Black thing, which I thought was pretty um, awesome. But I hated the five young X-Men, you know, from the past. that were in the present day. Yes. I hated that so much. I was like... What's the point of that? It was too drawn out. It was like, someone kill them. Kill them now. Um... (laughs) Which would get rid of the future X-Men, right? No, because at one point they said, oh, it turns out they're from an alternate universe. You yeah, know, of course. That's, that's, of what course. Basically, that's what basically happens all the time. If you're from of the course. past and you come to the future, your timeline got split off. If you're from the future and you came to the past, your timeline got split off. Yeah, and they're using the endgame rules of time travel. <laughs> yeah, and if you're really, really nerdy, you know, because when I was watching Endgame, I was like, I get this. <laughs> I was like, I was like, literally, I just flashed back to an issue of like when I was watching that movie. I flashed back to an issue of Uncanny X Men where Cable is talking about that, and like Rachel's talking to Cable, and Cable's like, "Oh no, my timeline's been split off, so like the future is totally different now. We don't have, you know." And I was like, so when they did said that in the movie, I was like, "Ha ha!" <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of things where I felt like X Men were directionless. Because um, I really think you have to have a grand poobah, you know, with X Men, and then everybody else follows that grand poobah, you know, and it was Chris Claremont, and then, um, you know, and then you kind of here and there had it, and then like Marvel would be like, go away, and they would gut, like, I remember Joe Kelly, Joe, Ke- uh, Joe Kelly, and Steve Siegel were going to do some amazing stuff, and then Marvel's like, no, we don't want amazing stuff. This was back in, like, I think, the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I'm really nerdy about X-Men. So, um, uh, with House of we X and Powers of X, what Hickman is doing, you know, not to spoil it, because House of X has only been out for, like, a week or two, and Powers of X just came out. Um, 
but it's really good. It's, you know, Hickman being Hickman at his best. Mm. Um, uh, there's some things that I'm just kind of like, mm. and then there's some things that like, and this isn't a spoiler, but there's like a part of me that's like, is this the 616 universe? Or are they going to pull the rug out from under us and say, mm-hmm. this is the ultimate X-Men? I'm like, huh. So there's a part of me that's like... Half of them dead? That's, that's <laughs> basically... There's a part of me that's basically like, I don't... You know, that's like very, like, very, like, thinking like someone's going to get pulled out from under us and we're just going to be like, ha-ha! Suckers, right. this isn't the X-Men you know and love. It's the other X-Men. Right, right. Um, But I'm reading that and... Uh, um, that's the the main thing that I'm you know super excited about right now. There's a lot of creator owned books that I read. Um, I read too many creator owned books. I have too many trades in my closet. Um, I actually have to get rid of some because I have too many. Um, and then TV, uh, I gotta watch the boys. Everyone keeps telling me watch the boys. They're like watch the boys, watch the boys, watch the boys. Uh, there's this project I'm this. I, can, I guess I can say it's a TV project I'm working on. I can't say anything beyond that. And. Uh, uh, the one of the people involved with that was like, you need to watch The Boys. Have you seen The Boys? Um, so everyone's telling me to watch that. And now hearing you say, like, oh, you know, you're watching The Boys. I'm like, well, I guess I got to watch that damn show. <laughs> um, and, you know, one of my main things for wanting to watch it also is because Eric Kripke is the showrunner and he created Supernatural. Um, oh, and I love uh, oh. Supernatural. Um, I'm re-watching The IT Crowd. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. It's a British sitcom. It went on for, uh, as they like to call them, series, four series, four six-minute, uh, four six-episode seasons. Um, I love foreign TV is shorter than American yeah, TV. Yeah. Um, well, at least shorter than American broadcast TV. I can't do that whole 20-something episode thing anymore. You tend to get to the point. Yeah, as much as I love watching, like, the CW superhero stuff, there's sometimes oh, so I'm, so like, drawn out. I'm like, there's 20-something episodes! Can we move on? <laughs> I know. You that's found this out I'm five not... episodes ago. Yeah, right. that's why I'm not caught up on the DC, the CW shows. It's just too much. Yeah, I'm so far behind. I think I'm in season three of Arrow and two of Flash. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm so dedicated. <laughs> I haven't watched any of those shows in years. <laughs> uh, no, I'm such an old lady. Like everybody's like, you have to watch this show. Like you have to watch Stranger Things or um, Steven Universe or She-Ra. And I'm like, after work, I'm like, you know, I think I'm just gonna watch like some old '90s anime again for like the 16th time. Like I've watched nice. Yuwaka show on Hulu like so many times. I fall asleep to that show. Like <laughs> that or like Trigun or Cowboy Bebop. I'm just like. Well, and then it gets too interesting, and then I have to stop because then I can't fall asleep. Um, no, so what have I have I actually been watching anything new ish? <laughs> um, I have this bad tendency where like people are like, you have to watch this show, and I'm like, sure, I'll put it on the list, and then I'll scroll through my queue, and I'm just like, you know what, the stars are just not aligned for me to watch this show at this moment. So <laughs> it'll probably be another three years until I watch Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, I watched Mission Impossible 3 <laughs> the other day. Uh, I fell asleep, I watched wow. it twice and I fell asleep both times. J.J. Abrams, I was like, oh, you were doing the lens flare thing way before Star Trek, okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. It's It's just, I didn't, I, I don't like the color palette and I don't like shaky cam and I, I don't like the lens flare thing, like, it's just, and it was a, like a real waste of uh, Carrie Russell. Like she just mm-hmm. dies to make 
super sad. And I'm oh. like, he already looks sad. Like, is that the one with just Philip Seymour Hoffman? Face. Say that again? Is Philip Seymour Hoffman the villain in that one? Yes. I actually, I, like, him in that, I thought was, fin- like, he was great. He was, like, he, a great villain. He pulls so much focus, but I keep falling asleep before I see the ending. So I don't know how that movie's ended yet. <laughs> um, I will get there eventually. Uh... Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've been watching anything particularly new. Um, I've been watching a lot of like little mini documentaries on like multi-level marketing schemes on YouTube. Does that count? <laughs> I'm so boring. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reading, I've been doing a lot more of. Like, I just finished "Die" um, by Kieran Gillian. I'm probably butchering his poor name. Oh, it's so um, good. Yeah, that's. I mean, I've liked his work since like. Uh, journey into mystery um he was actually djing a party that was happening at san diego and i asked him to play some spanish music and he tried so hard for me but the wi-fi wasn't working and i was like it's totally cool we got the first verse from i like it like that so it's cool thank you for trying Uh, maybe new york comic con make it happen um i finished blackbird um which was pretty good uh Fens, check please. Um, I've been meaning to read Prince and the Dressmaker. It's for nothing but really great things about that. Um, let's see what else. Uh, and then some novel reading. Like uh, I just reread the, my copy of the Iliad again, and then an old school book, uh, which the Blackbird Pond was another one that I've been like just rereading. Um, probably a couple other like just little novels and stuff. I. I, li- I live in a warm climate, so I get to go to by the pool, like, on my break. So I'll just take a book with me um, and read by the pool. That sounds so bougie. Um, I'm, I'm actually very I don't, I don't make a lot of money, guys. Like, it's not that nice. Uh, oh, and, like, Niyazaki-kun, Monthly Girls Niyazaki-kun, that's a manga that I've been reading. That's if, if you have ever seen any sort of, like, shoujo anime ever in your life, you want to pick up that manga because it plays with a lot of tropes. Um, it reads like a web comic. It's all very punchy, very little. It's one page little mini stories, um, but that involves like a larger plot and stuff. And it's about a character that draws manga, and but he's in high school. I, and I love those. All those, all these little like he's always searching for like or creating and imagining romance. But it so it plays on a lot of those tropes, but in a really subversive way, which is really great. Um, and that's just really clever. Um. So yeah, I've been been reading that as another their comics one. Can you can you send me that that name again? Yeah, sure. Because I, I, that ninety percent of my watching is anime, so you know, and manga and anime, you know, hand in hand. So yeah, I've been meaning to watch um, the new Fruits Basket. That it's good. It's good. Make where where it's is good. it? Like what? Is it's, that Crunchyroll? It's on, yeah, it's on Crunchyroll. I need to get. There's too many streaming services, and I'm too poor. That's why. That's why I think me, Neil, and Marco have VRV because you get Shutter, um, Crunchyroll, High Dive, um, and then like um, Rooster Teeth and all those other ones. You get those for ten dollars. There's also a Nickelodeon one on there that sometimes Black, has yeah. some old school stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta watch Rocco Modern Life. Yeah, they like weirdly take off season so it's like you can watch the first season and then like three months later they'll take that off and then it's like you can watch a second season they did it with yeah. are you afraid of the dark it was a little yeah, i don't like weird. when they do that yeah i didn't get it 
Do our hosts watch anime? I'm uh, yeah. I'm catching up on One Punch Man. The, yes. Uh, yeah, I love I it. I, I, I didn't like the new season. The oh wait, what's that? The new season, I didn't like it at all. But I've heard I've heard that a lot. I'm actually still on season one, but um, I I loved the the manga, so I just uh, yeah, and I, I really like season one, what I've seen. So what what um, I guess without spoiling, like what is it about season two? Season um, two is under a new studio. Yeah. Okay. So is and, it like the art it, direction or? You, you, all the episodes feel like filler. Hmm. Wow. Like the, the season ended and I didn't realize it. So I next week I went to see what the new episode was. And then I found out that that was the last episode. I said, that's how they ended the season. So, <laughs> I haven't watched one of any. I haven't watched any of One Punch Man. Uh my favorite thing right now in anime, I'm like, I'm so behind. Like, Derek is like, hey, so I'm watching this new show. I'm like, what is this from? Like, Derek will watch it, like, 20 shows at the same time. Um, yeah, that sounds like my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite thing right now in anime is uh, My Hero Academia. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. For a good thing. I do hear about that, yeah. Yes. One Punch so, Man and My Hero are, like, the kind of subversive superhero storytelling that I like because it's just more optimistic. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like something like The Boys, even if it's quality, like, you know, I mean, because the card like, not optimistic at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, there's enough in my life that I'm like, Ugh, like right. today's hard. Send me cute cat pictures, please. Yeah. Um, so I actually I just find those takes where it's more of like an optimistic subversion mm-hmm. of the superhero genre to be much more interesting because. I mean, we've had, like, the whole dark, gritty take on superheroes for so long, you know, and done in so many ways, both in really good ways and really well-done ways and not-so-well-done ways, um, that I just, like, something like My Hero or um, something like, you know, One Punch Man. What I liked about One Punch Man is it took the concept of, like, an OP superhero Superman-style yeah. character, yeah. and but the focus is on, like, the character's loneliness. Yeah, um, that's the I'm, entire I'm, conflict. Yeah, you know, so that that makes it way more interesting, you know, because it's not like, well, how does he beat like his next big enemy? Like, that's not the focus. It's like him reaching out and connecting to other people. So I will say in defense of season two, that one thing, because it expands like his that, that I did like that those parts. Yeah. So but now he, now he has actual friends. Yeah. So and I'm the little cyborg. I don't know how far you are yet, Marcus, but the cyborg Genos is like he's he's my baby. I love him. So but um. Yeah, yeah, One Punch in My Hero. And there's there's a third one that's Western that I just can't think of at the moment because it's like like 11.30 here, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only anime right now that I'm watching is Attack on Titan. Um, I don't know why, but I, I love it so much, and it's so terrible. And my fiancé's like, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> um, so... <laughs> That it's might like, be the only anime I'm not watching. Yeah. It's I'm, it's very freaky, and I don't know why. I'm just so obsessed with it. <laughs> I'm way behind on uh, Attack on Titan. One of the things when I, I I think I watched it when it first came out, and then I started reading the manga. And uh, I did too. Yeah. One of the things I that that pulled me into it was basically it's a, you know, it's basically a group of young people fighting giant monsters, which is basically the whole Power Ranger Ultraman you know, type thing from Japan. So that's why I was like, oh, that's great. And then uh, later in the season when he had the ability to become gigantic, I was like, this is even better. Um, <laughs> but I uh, 
I fell on the wayside of that. I was, uh, you know, I got like I remember I was like way behind. Like, cause everyone was was like my hero, my hero, and I was watching Dragon Ball Super. And then once Dragon Ball Super end, I I was like, okay, let me watch My Hero Academia. And then I got, you know, I fell in love with that. Um, such a good, um, just such a good manga and such a good show. And it's really it's a shit. It's not a shame, but it puts to shame. A lot of American superhero comics. <laughs> That's like, you know, when you when you uh, read My Hero Academia and just the way they approach the uh, character emotions and the character arcs. Um, I think that's one of the things that's why uh, well, one of the benefits of manga is you don't have to deal with a lot of uh, spinoff comics. Mm. Um, yeah. Or set up mm. for spinoff comics. You know, and you know, yeah, and it's just not, and it's probably, you know, it's basically all in a book thing. Like, I, I know I forgot um, what her name is, but she works with uh, Boom, and she was always, every time she goes to the comic shops to visit them as part of her job with Boom Studios, she always tells them, like, they don't have My Hero Academia. She always says, like, oh, you need to get My Hero Academia in, um, uh, you know, because it'll do really well for you. And it turns out that it always does for, uh, for uh, comic shops, so like if I was a publisher, that would be something you know, that published superheroes, you know, one the the big two basically, because um, they have the the biggest you know thing. If you're looking to expand the market, they should, you know, in my opinion, look at you know what My Hero Academia does um, so well and why people because there's a huge group of people that don't read superhero comics, but they're reading My Hero Academia, which is just <laughs> one of the things that's like you know that would kill me if I was the big two and I'm like. Why are they reading that? But they're not reading our comics like that. But they're watching our movies. So like the same people that read My Hero Academia are watching the movies, uh, the Marvel movies, and reading My Hero Academia and watching the anime. But they're not reading the comic books. Um, I, I have to check out that series. I'm so far behind in anime, and Marco and Derek can attest to how long it took me to catch up to Dragon Ball Super. Forever. And, and it did. And I mean, I finally did. And then. What, like uh, two months ago you finished? Yeah, pretty much. The show ended like but, a year ago. I know, but I also like. Dang, this call out. I, I know. Oh, oh, Tony does this to me all the time. All the time. Oh, all the time. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to be nice to Neil. <laughs> I've known Derek pretty much like, I don't know, 12, almost, pretty much 12 years. I think. Um, I think February is like 12 years we've known each other and yeah, no, he, you know, it it comes, it comes from a good place, but he's very mean to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's all, it's all love. Um, but yeah, Marco and Derek were giving me a lot of shit because I kept like not finishing super. Like I would, I would watch like 30 episodes and I would start watching something else and then I would come back in and I watch another 30. Uh, Um, and then I also, like, once I finished Super, then I started, uh, on VRV, they have some of the uh, Super Sentai series, and I'm a huge fan of that, but I haven't seen too many of the older ones, so I've been watching uh, Die Ranger, which is the season two of Power Rangers, um, which is super fun. But I think after that, I'll watch My Hero Academia, so maybe in, like, another year, uh, you know, I'll be able to talk about it. <laughs> you know what? I like your pacing. That, that's that's about how I roll. So yeah. yeah of course you would. Of course you would. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, hey, you know, I think you're out. I think you're outnumbered, Tony. You know, Desiree I am. takes I'm totally too. outnumbered. Yeah. I'm totally. <laughs> I support you, Marcus and Neil, because I'm the same damn way. Thank so. you. I, I feel I feel heard and seen. I, I like. You. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I like going at my own pace. You know, yeah. I get a. Sometimes you just have to take a little break, see something else, then go back. And, you know, it's great. It feels like an old friend you're visiting again. Exactly. But you're seeing new stuff. Yep. Feels so diplomatic about it. I'm just like, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm also like, I don't think it's necessarily that like I'm bored either. I'm just like, oh, well, this other thing is now catching my eye and I kind of want to watch that. Yeah, there's a lot of Even stuff. Having right a great now. time. My roommate uh, um, can binge a show like nobody's business, and I just don't have that capacity. I'm like, should I start this and sit here for six hours, or should I just watch Yu Haka show again? Go watch Yu Haka show again. Yeah. Like, I, I already know what's gonna happen. I know Yusuke's gonna mouth off. I know he's gonna be a punk. I know I'm gonna love it. I know Karama's gonna be there with his beautiful red hair. Like, it's comfortable. <laughs> am, am, I am I the only one that gets that gets a little bit of stress? Uh, you know, scrolling through your Netflix list. Well, it's intimidating. Yeah, there's just so much stuff. It's, Awful, it's ridiculous. There's too, too. There's too much uh, programming, and my problem with all that, and. Again, I'm I'm super nerdy about stuff that people aren't nerdy about because like I'll go to Box Office Mojo every Sunday and be like, all right, what did the movies do at the box office? Um, and I like you know the business stuff of things. And my thing is, you know, like I'll harp on social media sometimes and be like, you know, there's you know there's too many TV shows and too much this and too much that, and Disney's getting too crazy with how big they're getting. That they're, I mean, they're basically going to run the storytelling cultural landscape of cinema. And uh, how stories are told. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, but streaming is so much better because, you know, voices that didn't get heard are now getting heard. And I'm like, to an extent, because if it was so much better, then um, what's going to call it would have gotten canceled uh, and then picked up, had to have gotten picked up by another studio, the Rita Morena show. Mm. Um, oh, one day at a time. Yeah, one day at a time. You know, so people's argument is voices that would never get heard in a traditional studio system are now getting heard through streaming. But I'm like, but the problem that's now going to become is you have so much stuff out there. Like Netflix is spending like there's no tomorrow. Disney's going to be spending like there's no tomorrow. Is that you're going to have the stuff like one day at a time that's going to get drowned out because Netflix is going to be like, well, how many new people came to watch the new season? You know, how much money did we make on those new people subscribing for that period to watch the new season? And how many people that just signed up for this free subscription watched it? You know, they're going to calculate all that and they're like, and canceled. And they're just going to, you know, so one day at a time, I was watching that since the beginning. I love that show. It's so good. Like, I'm a huge fan of, um, and the new one, I mean, Norman Lear just, you know, he's a producer on it. He has nothing to do with the writing. But Norman Lear created the original, and he created all these groundbreaking sitcoms in the 70s that dealt with, you know, actual social issues, real important political issues, you know, all in the family, things like that. Um, uh, the Jeffersons and all those things, and um, and I love those type of sitcoms that deal with that. And the new one and day at a time was, you know, was super important. And just the stuff that was talking about from a Latinx perspective. And um, but then, you know, season three got canceled, and that became a whole big fiasco for Netflix and the people that are watching it. And you know, a lot of think pieces on, you know, why it was messed up to cancel a show that you know says something so important. But at the end of the day, these companies, they don't really care. They're just going to be like, are we making money? Yep. So, like, you know, on, uh, honestly, sometimes digital and streaming and all that, you know, aren't the be-all, end-all because there's just such a glut 
of things. It's, it's kind of like reminds you like when you've read 1984 for the first time, mm-hmm. when you're a, a teenager or a kid or whenever you read it and you know, talked about it in there, how about like, you know, media and there'll be, you know, just this glut of media that people become obsessed with and everything. And, you know, they just won't be paying attention to anything else. And that's what it kind of feels like <laughs> that everyone's just getting consumed, not to make it all gloomy, but, <laughs> but, uh, that's sometimes what it, what it feels like because there's just so much options, so much. I, I I liked it back in the, in the 90s when I was like, I watched Buffy and uh, I watched <laughs> Angel. And that was like the height of genre. Tele- tele- they were, you were lucky to have Buffy and Angel. You know, right. that's kind of like, uh, you know, I kind of feel sometimes like the old man that would be like, you know, like, you don't know how lucky you are. And I'm always like, you don't know. <laughs> in the 90s, it was hard to find a good sci-fi horror show. Yeah, now they're yeah. everywhere. <laughs> You know what? I, I was actually thinking about that the other day. You know, remember how, like, back in, like, even the 90s, you, you, that's how you used to connect with people? Like, oh, we watched the same show. Now there's so much out there. Is, like, are this, the networks going to be deciding, like, what we connect on? Because that's what they're giving us? Like, it, well, it, yeah, it's a weird they, situation. Yeah. And, and also, like, with Game of Thrones, people connect through love and then hate of the same, same property. Oh, sometimes I'm, in the same season. Yeah. I'm, a, I, I'm a I'm a Song of Ice and Fire book elitist, so I hated Game of Thrones the TV show. So yeah. Derek was like, I hated it before it was cool in season eight. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I found like you know how Facebook does your your like past years. Mm. There was one I was like, I hate this show, but that episode is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a season three or four uh, episode. So I'm like. Wow, I really didn't like this show. Wow. Okay, so um, I think it's about that time because it is getting late here. Um, So what we're going to do is uh, if you could just tell me where people can find you on social media. We'll start with Desiree. Um, You can actually, you can find any of my social handles or any of my, like my portfolio and such at uh, latinasmediamusings.com. But you can also find me on Twitter at Boricua Desiree. Um, and yeah, the same with my email. Awesome. Derek. Um, both my Facebook and, uh, Twitter are my, my name, Derek, Derek Ruiz. And, uh, my Instagram is big robot. <laughs> yes. Yes. I follow you. So yes. Uh, Marco. Um, I only have one social media, uh, <laughs> well, I have Twitter and Facebook, but Facebook is just my personal Facebook um twitter at atomic rex ent um and of course you can follow our king skull comics one at at king skull comics on twitter as well and neil uh you can find me at neil m schwartz uh that is what i use for all my social handles from facebook twitter and instagram uh so yeah Awesome. And uh, don't forget to uh, look out for their Kickstarter coming up. So uh, once you tweet that, we'll make sure that Black Comics Chat will definitely uh, tweet that out as well. Cool. Thanks, guys. Sure. Marcus, where can the folks find you on the, on the interwebs? Um, at Marcus Kwame on uh, Twitter. Uh, MarcusKwame.com. You can find everything, and at Marcus underscore Kwame on Instagram. 
Awesome. Are you still doing prints? Are you still like teaching people how to draw? I think oh, that's yeah, what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, I'm doing doing it all. Uh, you know, I'm, if you are anywhere near the uh, the Saratoga, uh, Albany Capital Region area, you know, I teach art classes at a gallery in Saratoga, and um, I'm. You can catch me at any any Comic Con in the general that general vicinity. You know, selling prints and artwork, or you can just find me through my website. You can find uh, where you can buy prints online. Awesome. We didn't even get into Comic Cons, really. We didn't even get into San Diego oh, Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, so we didn't get into any of that. Uh, but it's getting late. I will be at New York Comic Con, so I hope all of you are there. We um, will too. Because yes, we'll be there. Yeah, yeah because I think it's time we get a beer. Yeah. Sure. I'm a maybe. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna hope you're gonna be there. We're gonna we're gonna cross our fingers that you're there. Yeah, yeah. Cross cross your fingers for me, guys. <laughs> I have to see if I have the money to be able to go. Awesome, awesome. Um, and people can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter as Latin Negro. Um, that is one N, Latin Negro. Um, I am also on Facebook, personal name Anthony Otero. You can find all my work at anthonyotero.com or on Amazon. Um, I didn't really get talk too much about what I'm working on because I just moved to New Jersey. I'm sorry, Desiree. I just moved to New Jersey. Um, <laughs> because I got, a, I got a job recently at Rutgers University, so I have to be closer. Okay, um, that's valid. Mom lives you. in Atlantic City, which is not valid. Oh my God. <laughs> I love Atlantic City, by the way. That's um, a reason not to live there. <laughs> Working at Rutgers means you might bump into Neil's dad. He loves that. Yeah, I, I, I was going to pop in uh, and, and say that. My dad is goes, we have season tickets for basketball, uh, football. He's literally there. He goes to women's soccer. He goes to women's basketball. He goes to the Rutgers. That is hardcore to go to a women's soccer game. Not not, yeah. to, not, that, not to begrudge them at all, but, you know, women's sports, people don't really go to them. So that's hardcore if you do. Oh, yeah, and he used to have season tickets to the women's basketball. Um, he's there I, for I lectures think... all the time. I mean, he literally practically, like, lives at Rutgers. It's like his second home. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I think I've only seen his dad without his Rutgers hats on, on twice. Yeah, actually, he wanted to wear it at my wedding, and I said, <laughs> no. Like, I'm 100% putting my foot down. Wear it wherever else you want. You cannot wear it. Is so, like, alone? we got him. We got him. Oh, yeah, he's an yeah. alum. Wow. I mean, he, not to date my dad, but he graduated 69? It's a long time ago. Wow. You shouldn't Bro. date your dad. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I, I, I wasn't, I saw the joke, but I, I, I'm just not gonna... I let it stay there, but yeah. I'm glad <laughs> no, somebody I, took, I, it. I took it. I took it. <laughs> this, this is my day-to-day -day with Derek. It, it's never-ending. <laughs> never <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm noticing that there there's a lot of... Um, Alumni pride at Rutgers. Let's just put it that way. Yes, there is. My dad so, is has a lot of pride. That and that's 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 great. That's wonderful. Um, so uh, basically, what I what I've been doing um, as I also submitted uh, a story for an anthology. Hopefully, I, I hear back soon. Um, and you know, I, lately I've just been writing a bunch of short stories and a couple of comic book scripts. Um, I have no artists, but I just. Just write just for the hell of it at this point. Um, and that's about it. So we're going to wrap it up. It's been a great show. Thank you so much. The editors of Puerto Rico Strong. Um, I really hope to, you know, hopefully see some more. Um, maybe there'll be a number two. We'll see. 
Um, and thank you for joining us. It's been great. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. Nice yeah, it's been fun. This is awesome. <laughs> Black comics, Black chat. comics chat.